0: Welcome to the three martini lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review.
1: Three martinis coming up. Hey, it looks like this week's moving a little bit faster than last week. At least that's the way it feels to me. Maybe that's because we've had more good and crazy martinis than usual this week. But we've got good, bad and crazy for you today. And uh, Jim, let's talk about Democrats Seeing reality. We're going to see a little bit of that in our first and uh, second martinis today. But let's start with Jim Cooper, who after many, many years in the House of Representatives, we mentioned him in a good martini a couple weeks ago because he's leaving. Uh, and the way the Tennessee Republicans have redrawn the congressional map in, in Tennessee, it looks like the Republicans are going to gobble up his district by splitting it into a bunch of different ones. But he also uh, gave kind of an exit interview, although he hasn't gone yet, to the Nashville scene. And they asked him a bunch of different things. And one of the things that Cooper says here is, quote, our party needs to improve its management capabilities. We do not anticipate and organize and plan. And then the questioner says, I've heard some Democrats take solace in the possibility that five years down the road, toward the end of this 10-year cycle, there's a chance that you'll be competitive in all three of those seats. Do you see that happening? And Cooper says, well, I certainly hope so. But hope is not a strategy. Remind me what the strategy is to change the minds of rural voters, meaning towards Democrats. interviewer says, what would you suggest? And Cooper says, you said you'd heard from others. What's their strategy? Their strategy is blind hope. Many of the folks you're probably listening to have never even visited these counties. Uh, Jim Cooper is pointing something out here. The Democrats have still basically abandoned uh, rural Americans uh, back 15 years ago in the 06 midterms, they made a big play for those and it worked out for them. Now they pretty much cater to urban elite and uh, don't really care what the rest of the country thinks. And if the polls are accurate, it's going to show up to the Democrats' detriment and our great happiness come election night this year.
0: Indeed, Greg. And I think maybe we can you know hone that in a little bit more specifically. Urban and suburban elite Democratic progressives have abandoned rural Democrats, even rural Democratic lawmakers, like Cooper is describing there, what we're seeing here is a process that really kind of accelerated. And you can say, you know, you could argue, uh, you know, going back to Bob Dole, right, that, that you know, farmers and rural America was seen as, you know, where uh, Republicans were going to do well. Although actually, that was not always necessarily the case. Um, Reagan Democrats certainly probably might have, you know, first triggered this. But you can you can really look at it, I'd say the Obama years, right, was where it really started seeing you know, not just like blue cities, but intensely blue cities and the, you know, we've always been fighting over the suburbs and, and things like that. Uh, Trump came along and took a process that was already accelerating and then just kind of, you know, went from uh, red to like bright maroon. I'm trying to think, about, you know, with the, even redder, right? You know, crimson, <laughs> you know, is how you'd color a, the way you'd look on the map of these sorts of places. And you'll talk to the Mudcat Saunders, the uh, uh, guy who helped Mark Warner win his gubernatorial race. Uh, James Carville sometimes talks like this. There are Democrats who won, who, either still represent these areas, although they're getting fewer and fewer, or there are ones who have won races in places like that and done better in statewide races, in part by not losing these rural areas so badly. Vilsack, the former agriculture commissioner, used to talk about this. And the rest of the party, I think, has heard them and said, no. We just don't care about these parts of the country. In fact, a good portion of our identity is feeling superior to these parts of the country. We relish looking down on them. We relish looking down on flyover country. Um, and that's where you get, you know, uh, jokes about Hicks and, you know, pickup trucks and things like that. So um, I, I have bad news for, for, you know, Jim Cooper that I think he's, he's trying to tell his party a message. Um, and oh, by the way, I don't think I, this this works both ways. I like to see Republicans trying to compete more in urban areas. I would like to see more Republicans running for mayors of big cities. Uh, it's very tough to win if you don't uh, if you don't bother to compete. And yes, it's a long shot. But one, you never know when you can catch a wave. Two. You know, the first way to the first step towards winning is to give people an option, get out there, make your argument. You don't know how many, you know, potentially winnable uh, town council seats, city council seats, things like that have been lost because Republicans just simply didn't have any candidates running and didn't have anybody out there trying to make their argument for. Uh, how these, uh, for, for their ideas, their agendas, their policies, and how they think they can serve people better. And oh, by the way, things like, you know, abolish the police are giving, you know, Republicans this enormous opportunity to say, hey, we know the real problems in your lives. We understand, we relate. We're not these, you know, we're not Mr. Monopoly uh, out of, you know, touch old fat white guys. You know, we can, we relate to your problems and we can have a plan to solve them. You can do a lot of good. A good successful party will not concede any territory, any part of the country. But more and more, it just seems like a lot of progressive Democrats are perfectly comfortable with this attitude in their party.
1: Yeah, I come from a small town and, uh, you know, have a relatively decent idea of how uh, folks in small towns and rural areas think. And let me tell you, they're very, very passionate. So they know when you think uh, that they're not worth your time and your effort and that uh, that you're looking down on them and they are going to make you pay because they're very, very motivated. But the sneering elitism is now, of course, infecting the suburbs as well. Uh, that's how Glenn Youngkin became governor of Virginia yeah. by Democrats, because the thing they love more than anything, regardless of where you live, is telling you uh, what to do because they know better than you.
0: Yeah, I, I guess it's I don't know maybe it's where Arlington reaches Fairfax that I might be where the the, the dividing line so
1: <laughs> or the beltway, perhaps. But the good news is, is that you don't have to take their sneering elitism. You have a chance at the ballot box all around the country this year uh, in every House race, a third of the Senate races. And I'm sure in a number of uh, state legislative and and local races as well. So uh, they don't get the last word, you do. And so that's also the truth when it comes to your internet and how to protect it. You get to decide how much your search engine sees and everybody else sees, hackers and other people, when it comes to your online activity. Look, when you want privacy, what do you do? You close a door, you close the curtains. And ExpressVPN is the way to protect your online activity.
0: Did you know that your internet service provider knows every single website you visit? And what's worse is they can sell this information to ad companies and tech giants who will use your data to target you. ExpressVPN puts a stop to this. It creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so that your online activity can't be seen by anyone. This is why you should be using ExpressVPN on all your devices because it works on everything, phones, LAPs, even routers. So everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can still be protected, even if they don't have ExpressVPN. And the best part is using ExpressVPN is as easy as closing the front door of your house. You just fire up the app, click one button, and you are protected. ExpressVPN is the world's number one rated VPN by Mashable, The Verge, and countless others.
1: It does a phenomenal job. And it's easy to use. You can't love a better combination than that because, look, your search engine doesn't need to know what you're doing and you don't want your data being sold to all the marketers out there. So if you're like me and believe your online activity is your business, secure yourself by visiting expressvpn.com martini. Use our exclusive link, expressvpncom martini, and you can get an extra three months for free. That's expressvpn.com martini. All right, Jim, on to our double-barreled bad martini here. And once again, it reminds me of Al Gore at the 1992 Democratic Convention complaining about all the economic numbers in the latter stages of the Bush-Quayle administration, where, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, he said, everything that should be up is down, and everything that should be down is up. Well, guess what, Joe Biden? That's where you are now. We've got two sets of numbers today, both of them clearly heading in the wrong direction. First on uh, what should be up but is down, and that's deportations. We're at a five-year low under Joe Biden. So basically, since the end of the Obama administration, uh, deportations went up quite steadily under uh, the Trump administration. But when you look at the, the the numbers, and, of course, we've got 2 million people illegally crossing the border in the first year alone, not to mention the people who got into the country and their legal status expired. But Immigration and Customs Enforcement deported just 55,590 illegal immigrants in 2021, the fewest number in five years, according to documentation obtained by the Washington Free Beacon. The 2021 numbers represent a 70% decrease from 2020, 70% when ICE deported 185,884. And that, of course, was a pandemic year, so not that many people were trying to get in as usual. In 2019, ICE deported 267,258 migrants. So if you compare the first uh, Biden year to the last normal year of the Trump administration in terms of uh, deportations, It's microscopic uh, in comparison. And then, of course, on the inflation front, we are at the worst numbers in 40 years yet again. The Consumer Price Index for all urban consumers increased 0.6% in January on a seasonally adjusted basis. Uh, Over the last 12 months, the All Items Index increased 7.5% before seasonal adjustment. The biggest increases are in food, electricity, and shelter. I mean, who needs those, really? Uh, The food. The the food. (laughs) Other than that. Yes. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Right. The food index rose 0.9% in January, following a 0.5% increase in December. So almost twice as much uh, from December to January. The energy index also up 0.9%. And again, uh, the overall number is 7.5 percent, highest since 1982. So, uh, Jim, things are not getting better. Even the monthly uh, consumer price index rates came in higher than expectations. Uh, And just as if that weren't bad enough economic news, Joe Manchin comes in and twists the knife in the Biden administration with a tweet that says, as inflation and our $30 trillion in national debt continue a historic climb, Only in Washington, D.C. do people seem to think that spending trillions more of taxpayers' money will cure our problems, let alone inflation. I think he's still a no
0: listeners technically this is the bad martini in fact it clearly is the bad martini but anytime it gets greg to do his al gore impression i feel pretty good <laughs> Lockbox. um yeah it's the two eyes i think you're going to hear a lot about this between now and election day uh, i'll understand if listeners feel like haven't i heard jim and greg talk about this before is this a rerun am i hitting a replay of a, no no it's yes there are more in, you know, immigration numbers that are bad there are more inflation numbers that are bad i think you know, we've had really bad inflation numbers for a couple of months now, year over year. It's been terrible. I think what's striking is we, you brace yourself for bad numbers, and then somehow they find a way to be even worse than, than people were expecting. Uh, not much reason to expect much hope on either one of these. The administration is just, you know, hardwired, just like chiseled in stone that they have the right path on this, no matter how much evidence piles up, that they're heading in the wrong direction. And uh, unfortunately, people just should not expect any any course correction at the, anytime soon.
1: All right, let's talk about something that will make us much happier and more relaxed than thinking of Biden's obstinacy and uh, his poor track record on just about everything. Uh, And that is slipping into a bed with soft, comfortable sheets at the end of a very long day. And the first night you sleep on the Giza dream sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else. I love the Giza Dream Sheets. I've told you this many times. They're soft. They're comfortable. Uh, wash after wash. They're, they're just as fresh and, and new, it seems, as when we first put them on the bed. Absolutely fantastic. And for a limited time, you will receive 60% off any Giza Dream Sheets and get a price as low as $39.99 when you use our promo code Martini at MyPillow.com. The Giza
0: Dream Sheets are made from the world's best cotton, grown only in a region between the Sahara Desert, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Nile River. The long staple cotton makes these sheets ultra soft and breathable, and the sateen weave gives them a luxurious finish. These sheets are available in a variety of colors and sizes, they're machine washable, and they come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a one-year limited warranty. The flat sheets and pillowcases come with a four-inch hem, and the fitted sheets come with fully enclosed elastic hems
1: with deep pockets. You will love the sheets. Save 60% now with the Giza Dream Sheets Flash Sale. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use the promo code Martini at checkout. Or call 800-874-0104 to get the Giza Dream Sheets for as low as $39.99. You'll also find deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. Now these will be gone in a flash, so head to MyPillow.com, use our promo code Martini, or call 800 874 0104, and use the code there too, Sleep better with mypillow.com. Jim, when we last left Beto O'Rourke, he was launching what we feel and hope is a quixotic campaign for governor of Texas. He was, of course, a congressman from the El Paso area, gave that up to run for Senate against Ted Cruz, did better than most uh, Democrats would, Uh, came within about three points, helped a lot of other Democrats in the state actually win uh, some down-ballot races. Uh, Then he uh, threw his hat into the presidential ring and flamed out before anybody actually got around to voting. Uh, But as we know from the Vogue story from back during that Senate run, Jim, he was born to do this. So, of course, he's running again. Uh, And now he's all that sad little dog in the background (laughs) saying, oh, God, here we go. That's exactly
0: that that, that dog knew what was coming. (laughs) When they say that dog won't hunt, that was the dog that would not hunt. Carry on, Greg. Sorry. (laughs)
1: That's exactly right. But guess what, Jim? Now that he's running only in Texas and not nationwide, trying to pander to the Democratic Twitter base, Beto O'Rourke is not interested, not interested in confiscating your weapons anymore. Uh, Not your AR-15, not your AK-47, which is in stark contrast to when he said this at one of his last presidential debates.
0: Hell yes, we're going to take your
1: AR-15, your AK-47.
0: We're not going to allow it to be used against our fellow Americans
1: anymore. Of course, in Texas, uh, putting out a policy like that is going to get you crushed. He also, from what I've read, Jim, is uh, trying to say he would be a strong protector of the oil and gas industry. I don't know. Call me crazy. But uh, I'm thinking we might not be able to trust him on these issues.
0: I I was kind of struck. Yeah, We've spent a lot of time laughing at uh, Beto O'Rourke and deservedly so. And we've enjoyed it a great deal. But what the idea that now running for governor, he's saying, I'm not interested in taking anything from anyone. I've never seen somebody just like totally, you know, pull the ripcord and bail out of his most famous promise, what he was known for. And it's, it's if he had actually said, you know, I've listened to Texans, I've thought about uh, how much, how unfair this policy would be, how much distress would cause law abiding uh, Texans. You know, I've made a really big mistake. Um, you know, now all of a sudden it's like, I'm not interested in taking anything from anyone. I want to make sure that we defend the second, defend the second amendment, you know, who who are you and what have you done with the real Beto O'Rourke? And I think what's really remarkable about this, I was thinking about this, you know, you and I, if you had to go down the list of people we've made fun of on this podcast over the last couple of years, Beto would be high up there. I also figure Andrew Cuomo would be very high. I figure Chris Cuomo would be very high and maybe like Michael Avenatti would be, you know, and lo and behold, they've all turned out to be either, you know, complete sleazoids. And oh, by the way, I have never forgotten the fact that Bader O'Rourke tried to get his wife to eat baby poop, telling her it was guacamole. This man does not belong in the governor's mansion. He belongs in an insane asylum. Um but, but this thing, the, the degree to which he could, like, shed this. Remember when we all said, that, oh, he was running, before, you know, against Ted Cruz. I'm like, this guy's an empty suit. He didn't really do much in Congress. He really doesn't have any, you know, he's, he's charismatic, you know, he gives a good speech. But in the end, he doesn't really do very much. The, you know, the, the, No, no, you kept seeing, you know, every major publication in the country back in 2018 went out, wrote these, like, 10-page glowing profiles and you know, talking about how much he sweat during these rallies and he just seemed like you're know, treated as this rock star and stuff. He runs again, doesn't do nearly as well. This, he runs for president, basically crash and burns, people getting tired of him. This is just kind of this interesting, but the fact that he could just turn on a dime and now say, I'm trying to defend the Second Amendment. Like, there's something kind of empty there. there there's something really... Like, we've all been wrong. We've all made mistakes. We've all said, oh, I shouldn't have, I I was wrong. I I thought this through. I've learned something new. But the idea to turn on a dime and just kind of act like nothing ever changed, there's something almost like, you know, mentally wrong with someone like that. There's something, you know, I don't want to say sociopathic, that's putting a little bit harsh, but like... um, you know, every every accusation of somebody being an empty suit, every accusation of somebody being a weather vane or something like that, or O'Rourke is proving to be one of that. So I think when you look at the Cuomo brothers, Avenatti, uh, or O'Rourke, I think the more somebody gets celebrated by, I'm going to call it, you could call it the mainstream media, you could call it the center-left media. You know, I'm sure there are probably some of them that don't have bodies buried in their basement or something like that, but man, oh man, they all tend to be Uh, nowhere near the image that is presented to us. And I think it should set off uh, both your BS detectors and maybe the little hairs on the back of your neck.
1: As an exit note on this topic, Jim, I want to quote you because I think it was when we were talking about Kirsten Gillibrand and her uh, flaming all the way out to the far left on every issue possible during her very brief presidential run. Uh, And you've used it about other people as well. It's something to the effect of, these are my principles. And if you don't like them, I have others. And so when you're trying to cater to the national Democratic base, as opposed to trying to win a statewide race in Texas, uh, that seems to be what Beto's doing here.
0: If he come on and said, you know, that was a policy I felt, but it's just not where Texas voters are. So I'm not going to push for those policies. Okay, you know, I I don't know if I trust him, but at least to be honest. But this is very, very Stalin-esque airbrushing of history.
1: Oh, no, I'm a defender of the Second Amendment. Who? Who are you? (laughs) Tech him for pod people, man. Ah, the ads write themselves, Governor Abbott. Congratulations. (laughs) You should have a doozy uh, with this one in particular. So, uh, Jim, tomorrow actually is Friday. Uh, See you then. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus, Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Tell your friends about us as well. Uh, We are very grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews, so please keep those coming. They help us out a lot. Get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play 3 Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Thursday, and please do join us on Friday for the next 3 Martini Lunch.